0: You're listening to the LMC Radio Network Broadcasting out of Forestville, California On the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com
1: Give me a go, no, go for launch Booster Go Retro Go Vital We're go flight Guidance Guidance, go Surgeon
0: Go flight
2: Ecom We're go flight GNC We're go Tell me Go Control Go flight Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch Control, this is Houston. We are go for launch.
3: at the Lucky Mojo Curio
4: Company in beautiful Forestville, California and online at LuckyMojo.com So
3: now, without further ado here's Professor Porterfield
4: Good and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to
2: the Now You Know Show, and my, 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 what a long, strange trip it has been. Once again, we had some minor difficulties last week, and we're sorry we weren't with you then, but we're with you now now oh yes indeed and what a week it has been or I should say two weeks it has been we have had all sorts of craziness out there and i encourage you to turn in tune in and listen to the upcoming the upcoming in the streets with beverly smith which will be uh, broadcasting this uh, this coming week on Tuesday, July 4th, or it may be delayed, it might be early, we don't know, but it's going to be a hell of a show. She's going to be talking about a lot of the things that have been going on out in the world, and also, you know, you can always tune in and listen to the wonderful Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour here each and every Sunday on the LMC radio network with our own Miss Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, backed up by the announcer with the skills to pay the bills, our one and only Papa Newt, to take you through all the various things that are going on in hoodoo. And get free readings as well. But we're not going to talk too much about all of the strangeness, the weirdness that's gone on. We're going to get into some of that a little later on in the show. But I will tell you that the temperatures have been climbing and climbing and climbing here in Texas. And we are at our official stay the hell inside and don't go outside part of the year. Uh, Unless you want to go out and, you know, cook a little breakfast on the sidewalk, Uh, you can do that. So that's about all that's going on here, but there's lots of things going on. So let's go over to the LMC radio newsroom where our own Patchy Fogg is waiting to tell us all about it. Take it away, Patchy.
4: Good evening. This is the news with Philip Fogg reading. Today is Thursday, June 29th, the 180th day of 2017. There are 85 days until autumn begins and 185 days left in the year. The 30th and the 1st will be auspicious days to bake, cut firewood mow to increase growth, dig holes, wax floors, get married, buy clothes, entertain friends, and host a party. These will also be good days to sow grains and forage crops and plant flowers, as well as favorable days for planting peas, beans, tomatoes, and other fall crops bearing above ground. These will be poor days for fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1767, when Britain approved the Townshead Revenue Act, which imposed import duties on glass, paint, oil, lead, paper, and tea shipped to the American colonies. Colonists bitterly protested, prompting Parliament to repeal the duties except for tea. Also on this date, in 1613, London's original Globe Theatre, where many of Shakespeare's plays were performed, was destroyed by a fire sparked from a cannon shot during a performance of Henry VIII. In 1880, France annexed Tahiti, which became a French colony on December 30, 1880. In 1927, the first Trans-Pacific airplane flight was completed as Lieutenant Lester J. Maitland and Lieutenant Albert F. Hagenberger arrived at Wheeler Field in Hawaii aboard the Bird of Paradise, an Atlantic Fokker C-2, after flying 2,400 miles from Oakland, California in 25 hours and 50 minutes. In 1956, actress Marilyn Monroe married playwright Arthur Miller in a civil ceremony in White Plains, New York. The couple also wed in a Jewish ceremony on July 1st. The marriage lasted four and a half years. In 1967, Jerusalem was reunified with the removal of barricades separating the old city from the Israeli sector. In 1972... The United States Supreme Court struck down a trio of death sentences, opening the way that they had said that they had been imposed constitutionally cruel and unusual punishment. The ruling prompted states to effectively impose a moratorium on executions until their capital punishment laws could be revised. In nineteen eighty eight, the US Supreme Court in Morrison versus Olson upheld the independent council law in a seven to one decision. The sole dissenter was Justice Anthony Scalia. In nineteen ninety two, the remains of Polish statesman Injak Excuse me, Padreski interned for five decades in the United States, were returned to his homeland in keeping with his wish to be buried only in a free Poland. And finally, in 2003, actress Catherine Hepburn died in Old Saybrook, Connecticut at 96 years of age. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to producer Robert Evans, who is 87, songwriter L. Russell Brown, who is 77, singer-songwriter Garland Jeffries is 74, actor Gary Busey is 73, comedian Richard Lewis is 70, and rock musician Ian Pace of Deep Purple is 69. Our thought for the day comes from American actress and author Catherine Hepburn, 1907, to 2003, who said, quote, I have many regrets, and I'm sure everyone does. The stupid things you do, you regret, if you have any sense. And if you don't regret them, maybe you're stupid. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers.
1: Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky number. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Number's on a show for you and me. Superstitious. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. Issues will make me May you please? seen, Hey, that's mommy. Yeah? Yeah, man. We're well, open Put my trust in goofer dust. Cause you know some may bring you a devil. Or oh, maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. yeah!
4: Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goofer dust as advised by the Nicholas Brothers because we have got the lucky numbers and card for you
2: here each and every week. Oh, yes, don't you know that it is so. And, as always, this week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by there and take a look? And they
5: are 12, 19, 32, 43, 50, and 60.
2: Once again, those lucky numbers are 12, 19, 32, 43, 50, and 60. This week's lucky three digit numbers are 232. That's 232. 444. Four, four that's four hundred and forty-four. And five one nine, that's five hundred and nineteen. And I have to tell you that four 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 and two three two are particularly lucky this week, but keep an eye on five nineteen. This week the card of the week. Well, before we go to the card of the week we want to dedicate this week's card of the week this week's card goes out to reverend and sister amelia jackson aka auntie rora and this week's lucky card we chose we were thinking of you when we pulled it and the card of the week is the four of hearts the marriage bed Romantic love, sex, and tenderness, fidelity, and the home. This is a week filled with love, gentleness, and the home. Take some time this week to put your home in order and spend time with those who are close and loved to you. This is a very favorable week to rekindle dwindling romance in a relationship, as well as a very good time to not only pop the question, but tie the knot. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and card when they first come out. And if you hit,
4: (laughs) remember where you get Until then, good luck to you all. Up next, from
2: the first and second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking Miss Loretta.
6: To be with you again this week. And this week, I have for you a very quick, easy, and simple dessert that you can make, of course, in your crock pot. And it doesn't take very much time. It serves about eight, and I hope you will like it as much as I and my family do. So, here is the recipe for crock pot scalloped peaches. And like I said, this recipe is gonna serve eight. For this recipe, you will need the following ingredients. You're going to need eight peaches sliced, one cup of sugar, one half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, one half a teaspoon of ground cloves, one fourth a cup of butter sliced, and then you're also going to want to have on your, on the side, to one side, vanilla ice cream, which you're going to use after it's all done. Now, this could not be simpler. All you do is in the bowl of your actual crock pot. So right there, right in your crock pot, and you want to use at least a four-quart slow cooker for this. You're going to combine the peaches, sugar, cinnamon, cloves, and butter. And then you're going to toss it lightly to get it all mixed up. Then cover on the low setting for one and a half to two hours. And after that, you just spoon it out, put it into bowls, and serve it with a scoop of vanilla ice cream, nice and cold, right on top of your hot peaches. And it's a treat. My grandkids love it. My kids love it when they were coming up. And I hope that your kids and you enjoy it as well. It's a nice little mix of cool and cold ice cream with nice hot and warm peaches, which, of course, we're able, at least in Texas, to get this time of year. So, hope you enjoy it. Let me know how you like it. Please remember to send in your suggestions and requests, and I'll be happy to do them on the show. So, until next week. Bye-bye.
2: Hey, all right. Thank you, Miss Loretta. That sounds great. I like peaches myself. And that sounds like a wonderful little dish there with a a little bit of, uh, you know, some ice cream. Who doesn't like ice cream? Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, we're going to be talking about misogyny. And we'll talk more about that. It's going to be a bit of a bitter pill
1: to swallow. You whined me and dined me when I was your girl. Promise if I'd be your wife, you'd show me the world. But all I've seen of this old world Is a bed and a doctor bill I'm tearing down your brooder house Cause now I've got the pill All these years I've stayed at home While you had all your fun And every year that's gone by Another baby's come There's gonna be some changes made Right here Nursery Hill. You set this chicken your last time, cause now I've got the pill. This old maternity dress I've got is going in the garbage. The clothes I'm wearing from now on won't take up so much yardage. Mini skirts, hot pants, and a few little fancy frills. Yeah, I'm making up for all those years Since I've got the pill. I'm tired of all your crowing How you and your hens play While holding a couple in my arms And others on the way This chicken's done for a nest, And I'm ready to make a deal And you can't afford to turn it down Cause you know I've got the pill This incubator is overused Because you've kept it filled The feeling good comes easy now Since I've got the pill It's getting dark It's roosting time Tonight's too good to be real Oh, daddy, don't you worry, nana, cause mama's got the pill. Oh, daddy, don't you worry, nana, cause mama's got the pill.
4: (coughs) Oh, yes.
2: Well, so, naming and claimants, let's take care of those first of all. Tonight, we are giving out chocolate chip cookies. We've got nice, fresh chocolate chip cookies here, courtesy of Miss Loretta, and we're going to be handing them out. If you get the artist, you get one. If you get the song, you get another. So, if you get both, you get two cookies. And the first cookie of the evening goes out to my friend and brother, Candelo Cambisa, because that was, in fact, Miss Loretta Lynn, that's right however, no one got the title, the title is simply, The Pill and you may never heard it before, and I'll tell you why The Pill is a song from 1970 and 5 uh, <clears throat> so, now don't get confused it's not the Pete Seeger song, The Pill this is the Loretta Lynn song The Pill, And I have to tell you, this pill, the song, the pill, was a big, big deal because it got
1: banned.
2: That's right.
6: It got
2: banned off of many, many radio stations. And yet, before it was banned, it reached number five. On the Billboard charts. Okay. Uh, It it was. Now you have to understand. When this song was released. a Loretta Lynn song was almost guaranteed. To be in the top three. If not number one. Country singles. For Billboard. And before they banned it. It made it all the way. To number five. It was very very very. Controversial. Uh, song. And in fact, the song's success uh, prompted a large number of rural physicians uh, to write in to Loretta Lynn and others and compliment about how the pill had done more to highlight the availability of birth control in isolated rural areas of the United States of America than all of the literature ever released on the subject, and you might be saying, the hell does this song have to do with misogyny? Well, really? You really don't know? You really don't know? Well, uh, let's get into it. Welcome to this week's Professor's Pontification. Tonight, we're going to be talking about misogyny. Why did I name the subject tonight misogyny? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if I had put up feminism, if it had been feminism, uh, uh, playing card numbers, okay, uh, and violet, no one – lots of people wouldn't have tuned in. Lots of people wouldn't have tuned in. In fact, we have an unusually small crowd this evening because I'll guarantee you this. Because this is tonight's topic. If I had put up feminism, we might have even had a smaller crowd. Maybe not of our regulars, but of people listening to the show. Because this is one of the forbidden goddamn topics in our community of hoodoo, root work, and conjure. And it is absolutely ridiculous, asinine, and silly that it is. Why is it ridiculous, asinine, and silly? Well, there are a number of reasons, but let's start with the number one reason. I've said this before, and so have a lot of other folks, and we say it because it's true. So I'm going to say it again. Who do root work and conjure, okay, has more women in it than men? Just true. Sorry. It's just goddamn true. You don't like it? Too fucking bad. If any man is listening to the sound of my voice now or in the future, okay, in the archives, and you don't like that I just said there is more matrilineal power in Hoodoo, that there are more female workers than male workers, more female clients than male clients, more female writers than male writers across the board at every level of practice in Hoodoo and conjure, If you don't like that, brother, let me tell you what my advice to you to do. Get up, dust your ass off, and you go do it. See? Because I'm getting sick and tired of people bitching and moaning about A, B, and C being involved in Hoodoo and conjure. Fill in the goddamn blank. I don't give a shit when they themselves will not muster up the stuff to get it done. See, all you can do is sit on your duff and bitch about it. Well, stop. You want there to be more male workers? More male practitioners? Learn and do. You want there to be more male clients? Well, get yourself some work. You want there to be more tradition handed down amongst men about who do root work and conjure? Start handling it. Let me tell you another little thing here. We talk about all the time we talk about being gifted for the work. Being gifted for the work. You're gifted for it. It's in your blood. It comes down your family. Well, let me say something most people ain't gonna like. Ready? <laughs> we all know who your mama is, but not everybody knows who your daddy is. Okay? We can say A B C about who your daddy is, but we all know who you mama is. And when you talk about gifts being passed in the blood, 9 times out of 10. Okay, I'll be fair. 8. 8 times out of 10. That's being passed to you down your mother's line. That's just the truth. Now you don't have to like it, but it's just the truth. But despite all of the facts that I have just mentioned, we have a ridiculous amount of misogyny which is strange don't you think? Isn't that odd? We got more female workers, more female practitioners more women passing information to other women, daughters, sisters aunts, nieces grandmas, granddaughters we got more female clients, we got more female writers, we got more female people doing what needs to be done but we have a loud an active voice of misogyny. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that those voices are small in number, but loud in volume.
5: I know, I personally, personally know, more
2: than one worker, more than one young man, more than one middle-aged man, more than one old man involved in hoodoo root work and conjure, for whom the word feminism is a dirty ass word. Dirt, one of the one of the big dirty words. And they lose their minds when the issue comes up. And they hem and haw and fuss and spit and scratch all the live long day about the issue. How much so? So much so that Professor Porterfield, who normally is spoiling to tell the way things are and doesn't give a shit. If you don't like it, didn't put up the word feminism. He put up the word misogyny. That's how loud and active they are. I know them. I know them. I can point fingers. I got the receipts. Okay? I mean, I got the goddamn receipts. And it is stupid now, then we've got some brothers involved in the community who are trying to make a change, who sort of miss the point just a little bit, just a little bit, and I'm not criticizing them too hard, but I gotta speak to them because they are trying to make a change, but they're missing a point. So let me try to talk to those brothers right now. I understand what you're doing, I support what you're doing. But you're just missing the boat by about, oh, five seconds. Just Not enough to fall in the water, but enough to get your shoes wet. Because you say things like this. You say, you need to respect these women. These are our grandmothers, mothers, aunties, sisters, wives, and daughters. You need to respect them. You need to respect them. And you have need to respect women you don't know Because those women are Somebody's wife Mother, daughter Sister, etc And I have something to say about that
5: No you Do not That is a pile
2: of Fucking horse shit That is the way you talk About a fucking horse Or somebody's dog Or their car or their property I do not respect those women because trying that's the reason i i would speak this boldly to you to say this to you live and on air and as in person as i can get to be in person with you here today that's the reason you respect them you respect them because they are people all right not because they have some relationship of blood or marriage to some other man Because then all you're doing is you're saying, I respect what's his. And they ain't his. They don't belong to him. Get away from the brothers who are trying because give them their credit. They are trying. They are trying. Let's get to the brothers who don't give two shits. I got a problem with you guys. I got a problem with you. I got a a bone to pick with you all. See? Because you say this bullshit. About how women don't belong. Women are stupid. Women are weak. Women are distrustful. Women are evil. Women are this. Women are that. Women are bitches. Women are hoes. Women are there to fuck. Women are so and 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 so why women there? 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 But you don't talk that way about men. Men are there to do whatever the fuck they're supposed to do, right? Follow their destiny. Find their power. Do their shit. But women are all these images you place upon them. You have got to be out your damn mind. If you are a student, devotee, maven, buff, practitioner, expert in the field of hoodoo, rootwork, and conjure, if you put women down. You've got to be a damn fool. You've got to be a damn suicidal fool. Let me tell you something about hoodoo, rootwork, and conjure. We've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it one more goddamn time. This is magic. This is sorcery. sorcery. This ain't no religion. There are religions that have become attached to it, but it itself is not a religion. They ain't no goddamn hierarchy. They ain't no fucking initiation. There're no padrinas or madrinas. There are no tatas. There are no yayas. There's no. There's nobody standing at the door. Anybody can do it, and do it damn well if they know what they're doing, and if they put their heart, their mind, their will, and their soul to it, as well as eager and ready hands. As well as eager and ready hands. And you'd be a goddamn fool to fuck with an entire segment of people who know this, who know this. Now, it's even more foolish because a lot of you sons of guns have women in your lives. You have women in your lives. You are lucky enough, don't ask me how, to have a wife, girlfriend, side chick, a lover, and, and you'll talk shit on women. I will quote my mother to you now. Ladies and gentlemen, Gabrielle Swain. Quote, I cook everything you eat and I am often awake when you asleep.
6: Let's say that again.
2: I cook everything you eat and I am often awake when you are asleep. Let's add to that I know where you keep your shoes in your drawers. I wash all the clothes in this fucking house. I have access to your brush and your comb when you're not home. Do I need to keep going? Do I need to keep, do I need to fucking keep saying all this? Okay? And you're going to disrespect her. Some of you sons of bitches are going to go so far as to put your hands on her. Ho, ho, ho. Let me tell you a little story.
6: Storytime with Professor Porterfield Today, Professor Porterfield Will be telling us a story from the 1930s.
2: Thank you This story does in fact Take place back in the 1930s and it takes place This is a true story by the way This is an absolutely true story It takes place in a small African American town What was known as a segregated town Or black town in South Texas The story was told to me by Mr. Rufus King, a fine, fine gentleman, and the story concerns when he, as a youngish man in his 20s, lived in this small community. Now, this small community had uh, quite a number of young men in it because the community itself had turpentine uh, plant and some other things, and young men would come to go to this community to be able to get work. And in this little community there they had a bit of a rogue, a young gentleman, uh, with uh he just he was good looking. He was damn good looking, okay? He had nice hair, good teeth, he was tall, he was built just right, had nice long legs, they're all you know, he was just good looking and he was sharp. He was sharp. Because he would actually kind of spend some of his money, rather than save it, on nice clothes, okay and, you know there were a lot of people that thought he was foolish for that but he liked to dress sharp and he had a penchant for young women well, for women in general and so he went through all the women in this little town young, middle-aged, old married single dating, engaged. He went through them all. And he played one lady against another lady, and he toyed with their affections, and he made promise after promise to this gal, that gal, and the next gal. He was going to marry them all. He was going to take care of them all. He was going to be everything. He was Jack Flash. And then he would break a heart and move on, break a heart and move on, and break a heart and move on, and break a heart and move on. And Move on. Well, eventually the lady folks in that town had enough, and so they went to the hoodoo woman, and she lived at the edge of town. And they went out to her place. Little, a little, a little convention of them. You know, they had all kind of got together and gathered up their pennies and their nickels and the Somebody had a dime, and they gathered all all this up. And they put it all in a, a little handkerchief, and they went over there, and they said uh, <clears throat> to the lady, they said, ma'am, you know, here's the situation, and what's going on with this, and we need this fixed. We need this fixed. He's hurt my daughter. He broke up this couple. He did that. He told me I'd, he'd marry me. All these I have all these different stories about how he's been playing all these women. And they went to the hoodoo woman and told the hoodoo woman all their concerns. So they all left, having paid her with the pennies and the nickels and the dimes. And let me tell you what, it added up for the 1930s. It added the fuck up. Today, our old Jack Flash, he was uh, out in front of the general store, like young men and old men like to gather out there, sit around, shoot the shit, tell jokes, play checkers. And he was holding court, standing up, laughing and talking. And down the street comes the hoodoo woman, the conjure woman. She dressed all nice. She got on her best clothes. She got her little bag. She got everything. She walked right up to him, up to our old Jack Flash. She said, son, I got to talk to you. And he said, oh, what you need to talk to me about? She said, "Uh, I've been spoken to by the women in this town, and we need you. To stop your ways. See, now you're playing where you shouldn't be playing. And you need to stop playing. And you need to stop doing this. And you need to stop talking out the side of your mouth to all these women. Telling this one this and that one that. And he laughed and he said, ain't nobody's business but mine. And she said, well, it's my business now, young man. And I'm trying to talk to you now. Listen to me now. I'm trying to talk to you reasonable, like a mother would talk to you, and tell you you've got to stop doing this. He said, you ain't my mama, you old wrinkled old thing. Surprised you'd be anybody's mama. Leave me alone. Ain't nobody tell me what to do. Certainly no woman tells me what to do. And she said, now listen here. You don't talk to me that way, fool. I'm trying to give you a little wisdom. I'm trying to straighten your ass out before you get hung in a
5: sling. You
2: will stop playing all these women. And he said, you wrinkled old hag, get the hell away from me. And then he spit upon her. He spat on her. (coughs) Spit right on her. Everybody else in front of the general store went, and he's standing there with a big old smile on his face, like, you fools, afraid of this old witch. (laughs) And she opened up her bag, and she reached in her bag, and she took out a handkerchief, and she very carefully wiped his spittle. Let me say that again. Wiped his spittle off her with her handkerchief. And she held it up so he could see it and put it in her purse, closed her purse, turned on her heel, and went away. And about oh, a week or so later, Mr. King, told me this story. I heard this story straight from his mouth. Said he was again, he was hanging out in front of the general store with all the young men and old men shooting the shit, playing checkers, doing what they do. And they see our old Jack Flash come down the middle of the street. This is the 30s. This is a dirt road middle of the, this is the main road in town and it's dirt they see him coming down the street, he ain't got no shoes on, he ain't got no socks on, he ain't got no shirt on, he's just in his pants and he's acting crazy he's screaming and howling and rolling around in the dirt, and crawling around on all fours like a dog and clutching at his belly on him and they run over to him like what's happened to him did he get hit in the head as he caught the rabies what's going on and he's just rolling
6: around in the dirt clutching his stomach screaming his
2: damn head off and he looks up at him screaming and he dies
5: right there in the middle of the street in the middle of the town everybody was like
3: oh shit after a while
5: the
2: older men said to the younger men, well, pick his ass up and take him over to the mortuary over here. And you go round the back, knock at the back. And the mortician lets you in. He's always over there. And he's the coroner, too, because it's a little tiny segregated community in the 1930s. So they pick up our old Jack Flash and they carry him limp as a rag over this was the mortuary was actually behind the church it was a part of the church and they go around the back they knock on the door and the mortician lets him in they tell him the story and he says oh well you know maybe he drank turpentine maybe he got a hold of bad whiskey you know it happens there's a lot of bad whiskey around well boys put him up on the table here and i'll get ready to dress him out get him ready and get him proper so we can put him in the ground. Remember, this is Southeast Texas. You don't put the bodies around. All right? And he said, uh, where does he live? And they said, oh, he lives over in the boarding house on so-and-so. And And he said, well, none of y'all won't be in here while I do this, so uh, y'all go on out and go over to the boarding house over on so-and-so and and go in there and ask uh, the lady that runs the boarding house to let you into his room. Tell her what's happened. He's dead. And I got him and uh, go in his room and, and find his best suit, find his best clothes, okay, and bring his bring bring his good clothes back to me. And we're going to dress him in that. Don't need to bring no shoes. He won't need them. And they go over there. They go in the boarding house. They get the clothes, and there's lots of nice clothes, but they picked out what they thought was the most formal-looking and they get the clothes, and they bundle them up, wrap some paper around them. They go on back to the mortuary. And they go into the mortuary, knock on the door. Ain't no answer. Knock on the door, ain't no answer. So they let themselves in. Mortician there. Mortician's sitting at his desk. And he got a bottle of whiskey in front of him. And he looked shook, real bad shook. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You all right? What happened? He says, I've seen something. I've seen something I've never seen in my whole life. You know, I was dressing this young man out, getting him ready, making proper for burial. When we do that, before, you know, before we draw out the blood to replace it with the chemicals, we take the internal organs out. And he points at a bowl, a big old bowl. Covered with a cloth. And he said. I found that. And he just goes back to drinking. Mr. King. And the rest of his cohorts. Went over and look at the bowl. They's all scared to death. They take the cloth off the bowl. And inside the bowl. Was our old Jack Flash's, Flash's innards. In the bowl. And crawling. And slithering around. In his innards. Was a snake. See, What's the meaning of this story Well first of all don't be spitting on people That's probably the best part of that story Don't be spitting on people But the reason I am telling you this old story And like I tell you I was told this story when I was a, a child I ain't making this up The reason I tell you this story Is you'd be a fool You'd be a fool To meddle with women who know who do And yet y'all do You play them You break their hearts You put your hands on them. You abandon them. You abandon them and the children they have. You talk about them being lesser. You talk about how they ain't. You judge who they go out. And mostly what I hear inside the hoodoo, rootwork, and conjure community is that women need to be, it's not put this way, I'm putting it nicely, need to be seen and not heard. Oh, we all want to see you when you dress nice. Got your stockings on, got your makeup, look good, hair is nice, but not hurt. Fool! You damn fools! Let me tell you why there are more women practicing hoodoo than men. Let me tell you why there are more women clients. In hoodoo, than men. Let me tell you why there are more matriarchal pass down of power and story and information and trick than a patriarchal pass down. Because you fools said that they should be seen and not heard. You all walking around living a fool's life. See, you think these people. Don't deserve basic respect. And ain't that a hell of a goddamn thing? Hoodoo is for the oppressed. And who's the most oppressed? Well, you can't get much more oppressed than a black woman. She gets oppressed every which way. She gets oppressed by white men and black men. She gets oppressed on a double axis. She's black. And she's a woman. And y'all ain't all that kind to your white sisters either. You think you're better. You think you don't 'em? Where the fuck did you come from? How do you think you got on this goddamn planet? You came out of a woman. The reason there are more female practitioners, female keepers of the tradition, And female clients is because you fools, oh my brothers, don't think you need them. You want them seen and not heard. You come up with crazy-ass shit about how menstrual periods aren't normal. Menstrual periods are brought by the devil. Menstrual periods ain't natural you continue
5: to disrespect women and the women kept the secrets
2: see cuz they needed that extra power against your ass and you stop practicing and doing because well you are a man at least you got that right it's a man's world ain't that what james brown saying except maybe you should go back and listen to that song but it ain't nothing except for a woman and a little girl. Until you realize that you are in it together, until you realize that women have rights, until you realize that women are not fucking property, until you realize that they are, as intelligent as you, in as strong as you, got as much will as you, you ain't going to get nowhere. Who do you think holds the goddamn family together? I got news for you. Eight times out of ten, it's the woman. If it ain't mama, it's grandmama. If it ain't grandmama, it's great-grandmama. If it ain't great-grandma, it's one of the aunties. Holds the family together. And I ain't even talking about the immediate family. I'm talking about the extended family. You want to see a bunch of sons of bitches never talk to each other again? Wait till big mama dies. Then never talk to each other again. It's high time. High time. Too late, in fact, that this stopped. This needs to end. This needs to end. And just like all those other issues, just like the onus of dealing with racism is upon white people in America, just like the onus of dealing with anti-Semitism is on non-Jewish people, the onus of misogyny is upon men. It's not upon women. It's upon men. And there are women who have turned on their sisters to curry favor with men, or they just don't know no better because they've been brought up with nothing but oppression, so they're part of the oppressive regime, as it were. But the place this has no place is inside hoodoo, conjure, and root work because all of those women know what they're doing, and they've been doing it. And when you disrespect women, and when you say they have no intelligence, no strength, no will, no charm, no power, that they're not favored by the gods, that they're not favored by the spirits, that they're not favored by the ancestors, motherfucker, who do you think most of the fucking ancestors are but goddamn women? You have stepped away from the path of wisdom. Onto the path of folly. And women are not asking for you to be oppressed. Women are not asking for you to roll on your belly. Women are not asking for men to have no power. There might be some radicalized, crazy person. There's always one in every group. But what women are really asking for is equality. Equality of treatment, equality of life, equality of choice, equality of opportunity. At the end of the day, all they're asking for is a little goddamn respect. Franklin, with respect, and the two cookies for the name it and claim it go to Christy XP. She can share them however she sees fit. And you know, Miss Franklin was just trying to do the same thing with that song that we are trying to do here at the LMC Radio Network. You know, just send out a little signal.
3: What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all! It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard!
0: The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4:30; Candelo's Corner with Condelo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7; The Crystal Silence League Hour with John Saint Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6; In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7; On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Fear You, Wednesdays 3 to 4:30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lafay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All times specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com.
5: Thank you Troll Talhead Chief Engineer here at the
2: LMC Radio Network for that layout of our shows each and every week. Up next, we're going to be going back and finishing up talking about numbers in reading playing cards tonight. 6 through 10. Oh yes, we're going to we're going to cover it all. We're going to cover it all, but we're not going to cover the court cards yet going to cover the court cards week after next so we won't be talking about the queen of spades tonight we won't be talking about any dark ladies winner of the two cookies on the name it and claim it with that is lmc radio network's number one share fan our own the only papa newt congratulations papa newt enjoy your chocolate chip cookies and that brings us into this week's segment on reading with playing cards as you know for the next oh many many weeks we're going to be discussing how to read with playing cards and we've talked already about oh a simple three card reading and the colors and a few other things and then week before last we talked about the ace through the five so tonight we're going to try to get through the six through the ten So I want to remind you that as we are discussing this, to consider what the cards look like when we read them. Again, what I mean by that is the placements of the pips on the card. So the first one we're going to be discussing is the six. The six, if you can imagine it in your mind, or if you have one in front of you, has Three pips on one side and three pips on the other side, creating an empty open space between the two, the widest open space on any of the playing cards. And because of this, the sixes represent roads, paths, travel, progress, movement, as well as walls. In this, the six has risen from the five, and we talked about the five week before last. The five has come up from the rather earthly, sedate, sometimes even stodgy four, and now that five, which is the one with the many, has grown by one more to show movement. This is a number of confidence, trust, and reliance. The sixes are more universal than personal. So they talk about larger paths, greater influences, greater things that are going on, particularly in light of the person we're reading for. Uh, And they also do, to some extent, discuss the sixth sense, the psychic sense. The sixes uh, can influence health and religion strongly six is uh, very well described as united we stand divided we fall because the six can only be weak when it is unattended when it is not noticed when it is not paid heed when it is not worked with if we are on a path we must travel it for good or ill or we must get off it and travel a different path we must not be unattending to the power of the six and when we attend it it becomes very very powerful and particularly becomes powerful when in combination with other sixes or with its lesser numbers it also because the ace is somewhat outside And you see the ace being outside because of how it's treated in certain games, uh, how it's counted in blackjack, how it's uh, even even rather than being designated with a one, it's designated by ace A. Uh, The six is actually the place where we start to see division, meaning we are now no longer in the lower numbers because the ace stands apart. We are now starting to move into the higher numbers And we're starting to move into more mystical realms, realms of the mind, realms of the will. So the six is the path. The seven, again, if you can imagine it in your mind, looks exactly like the six, except there is a seventh pip in the middle of that space, that open space that exists on the six. And so the seven is the bump on the road. It is both the seven deadly sins and the seven heavenly virtues. It is gates, because the road blocks by a gate. It is troubles. The seven is mysterious and obscure. It is a hidden number. The sevens start to really get interesting and weird, and they start to show different kinds of influences. It is a vibration that is in the world, but not of the world. And throughout time, the seven influence has been dark, secret, and enigmatic. It's the number of the stoic, the religionist, the mystic, but it is also a number of assimilation and adjustment. The seven opens things up, and it talks about abundance, sometimes in too great an amount. So the seven of hearts, although the hearts are positive, romantic, and talking about the emotions is too many emotions, but normally too many positive emotions. So in other words, it's not that there are a lot of bad emotions. It's that there's too quick, too much emotion. The seven of clubs, our club being stable, representing our work and our endeavors is too many endeavors. It's too many irons in the fire all right however the seven of diamonds is considered in many different readings as systems and particularly in the ones we see in the American South and practiced in hoodoo, etc., and in what I am teaching, the Seven of Diamonds is one of the most perfect, one of the most blessed, and most anticipated cards. It is the Seven Stars. It is Seven Wishes. It is All Things Blessed. It is All Things Coming. It is All Things Granted. It is Grace. It is Reward. And of course, there are cards, or three only, that are worse than the Seven of Spades. So, the seven is a very, very, very interesting number, and we see it repeated in magic and mysticism, and particularly in hoodoo, often. The eights. Now we come up to the eights. The eights uh, represent matters of the mind and intellectuality. The, the eight is the harvest. You see, we've been building, we've been building, we've been building. Now we're at the harvest. It is now what we saw in the five of the one against or with the many. Now, because we have six pips, three on each side and two right in the middle, it has become two against many or two with many. The couple, business partners, husband and wife, lovers, etc., against the many or with the many. Twice for wisdom increased. The eight, because it is a mental number, is scientific. It is a number of domination and rule. It tends towards organization and, as I have said, intellectuality. It's the number of business material achievement and self-assertiveness and, of course, business success. And therefore, the Eight of Clubs is a particularly good card, as is the Eight of Diamonds. However, the Eight of Hearts it's not a very good card because it represents thoughts of love without being substance of love. You know, those people that are in love with love, they're not in love with being under the rigors of doing love. They just want the image, the thought, the mentality. So the eights talk about a mission that is needed, something that is needed to be achieved and executed or is being achieved and is Currently being executed. Then we talk about the nine. All right, now the nine is an interesting number because the nine represents something new. In systems of numerology, nine is the last number because ten would simply be one. It's one plus zero and therefore it equals one again. So here. Our 9 is not the last number. We do not have a 1 through 9 plus 0 system. We have a full 1 through 10 system with the 1, the ace, being somewhat apart. So here, 9 lowers itself from its grand exaltation that you see in regular numerology. And instead, what we see are individuals with many. So in other words, this is the courtroom or a general and his troop, the boss and his workers, the speaker and his audience, the, the, the happy couple, at the, the bride at her wedding, the one amongst the many that is in a commanding position. So it represents uh, patience, ambition, the nine lives. This is a permanent number. It is enduring, steadfast. It is also a very humanitarian and compassionate number. It can be very selfless, be very global. However, when turned towards negativity, it can be, oh, egocentric, sociopathic, aimless, shiftless, and cruel, the one rejected by the many. Nine is considered the father of all the single numbers and the most developed number. And the occurrence of many nines in a reading means one is well-equipped to face the existing circumstance of their daily lives. And then finally we come to the ten Now we have a new situation. We cannot go to numerology for our ten. We have to think of it only within its own system. The ten is the finish, the end, the highest, the completion, the ending. It is law as the nine was the courtroom. This is the number of the highest goal, the higher goal. It is neither the end nor the beginning, but a shift between them, an ending and a beginning, a beginning and an ending, giving way to a start of a whole new set of numbers. So it represents both the peace of plenty and satisfaction and the peace of the graveyard. This number stands as a bridge between what is and what will be. So as one example, the ten of spades is a funeral. It was preceded by the nine of spades being the pallbearers. So again, let's go back to our nine for a minute. Pallbearers, wedding, boss, speaker. Now the ten comes in and now we have ten of hearts, the happy family. The complete family, the husband, the wife, the lovers, the couple, and their children. The ten of spades, the funeral that the pallbearers have brought it to, just as the bride in the wedding has brought us to the happy family. The completion of work, the great industry of work, the the big company that the boss has created, and the ten of diamonds, the great wealth, the banker, the accumulation of all of those things. So, to review this somewhat, let's go back and look at this again. We are talking about a progression, because the ACE stands somewhat apart, of 2 through 10, which still does equal 9 numbers. Our ACE is somewhat special, our 10 is somewhat special, and our 10 and our ACE technically touch, meaning the 10 immediately slides into the ACE, the ACE moves backwards into the 10. They are a circle. Now, what does this mean when we go to read? Well, first of all, generally, except when we're talking about, oh, troublesome situations like spades, etc., we like to see a progression of numbers in a run of cards. In other words, if you had, oh, seven, eight, nine club, all together in a nice row running the direction that you're reading – That's very positive. That shows accomplishment in work. Things are maybe where they are today, but they're building, they're going someplace. When we see troubled cards, we want to see a countdown. We want to see a digression of those numbers. So if you had, oh, the ten, nine, and 8 of spades running in that order, that might mean that someone's very, very sick. So sick, it looks like they may die, but they eventually will recover, possibly at the very brink of death. Don't despair yet. Or that out of that death will come good. So we like to see numbers running in order. And we should take particular attention to look for broken sets. So let's say you had, oh, the uh, four of hearts. And it was then followed by the seven of hearts. And then was followed by the eight of And then the 10. Okay, so we've got our 7, 8 together, but we've got 4 and 10 at the other end. That means we're missing things in the set. We're missing steps along the path. We have to ask ourselves why. So sometimes, believe it or not, you're actually reading cards that aren't there. You're actually looking for a card that's not there. You're going 2, 3, 5, 6. Oh, wait a minute. Two, three, five, why isn't the four there? And what does the four represent? And what would the four be bringing to the person I'm reading for? And why doesn't the person that I'm reading for have that four? What is that stability, that bed, that house, that table that they're lacking? And it might mean something like they're homeless. It might mean something like they have a very bad home situation. It might mean that in hearts, it might mean that they're cheating. We also have to look at sets of numbers that run outside of their particular suit. And we've already talked about the suits. So what if you had, oh, the two and three of hearts, followed by the four of diamonds, followed by the ten of diamonds? Well, here's the happy couple. Now there's some sort of trouble. The three is here. That represents some sort of rivalry. Two's company, three's. You know, three's a crowd, and now here's the four of diamonds. That's the whore's bed, and now here's a wedding at the end. This might represent, as an example, some sort of lack of fidelity, some sort of cheating, or someone else coming in, or it simply could represent a partnership between two people that is more based on sexual attraction than upon romantic love, as an example. So, there's six through ten. Next week, we're going to be talking about the coat cards, the face cards, and, of course, the mysterious figure of the Joker. But up next, we're going to be going into the kitchen, where we're going to be talking about violets. That's right. Not roses. No, no, no. No, no. Not roses. Violets. (laughs)
1: A violet fell in love with the rose And started it blushing from its head to its toes Then one day the rose was kissed by the dew A new love was born, and the violet turned blue. Roses are red. then send me some violet, I'm blue as can be. I wanted my love to bouquet with But just like the rose, you've proven untrue. A flower that's wild, they say has no home, and just like the violet, I'm left off. Accent some flowers to me, then send me some violets. I'm blue as can
2: be. Ah, oh, yes, that was, of course. We have no name it and inclaimant winner. Sorry, nobody got it. That was Little Jimmy Dickens from 1961 with The Violet and a Rose. The Violet and a Rose. Little Jimmy Dickens. Not Porter Wagner. No, no. Porter Wagner did it later. Porter Wagner did it much, much later. As did, oh, tell me why not, and a lot of others. But that was little, Little Jimmy Dickens. So, yeah, that takes us into the kitchen tonight where we're going to talk about Viola, Viola, the violet, which is a genus of flowering plants in the violet family, Vilaceae, and it is the largest genus in the family consisting of, oh, between 525 and 600 species. Most species are found in the temperate northern hemisphere. However, some are also found in widely divergent areas, such as Hawaii, the Australias, and even the Andes. It's, of course, a perennial plant, but some are annual plants, and a few are small shrubs. In horticulture, the term pansy is normally used for those multicolored large flowering cultivars, uh, which are annually or binannually from seed and used extensively in bedding. The terms viola or violet are normally reserved for small flowered annuals or perennials, including the species. And it's a wonderful, beautiful little plant, and most of us know it. Um, some of them are considered weeds. Uh, particularly in North America and in the North American lawn culture. Damn the lawn culture. Uh, But they are beautiful little flowers and wild violets uh, have been uh, regarded as a problem uh, in, like I say, lawn culture, particularly shady lawns, because violets thrive in uh, the part or full shade and are not susceptible to most herbicides that are used to kill Uh, common lawn weeds Um, they have a variety of uses Uh, they are even used uh, uh, culinarily Uh, you can find candied violets or crystallized violets Um, and uh, they are preserved by a coating of egg white and crystallized sugar alternatively hot syrup can be poured over the fresh flower or the flower can be immersed in the syrup and stirred until the sugar recrystallizes and has dried. And uh, this method is still used for rose petals and was applied to orange flowers in the past. uh, When almonds or orange peel are treated this way, they're called pralines. And candied violets are uh, still made commercially in such places as Toulouse, France, where they are known as violettes de Toulouse Uh, And they uh, are are also used to create a violet syrup. Um, And uh, in the United States, uh, French violet syrup is used to make violet scones and marshmallows. Um, In terms of their use uh, medically, uh, they contain antioxidants. Um, They are... Uh, effective or being at least evaluated uh, in studies for a number of different uses, but they have been used for a variety of things in the past. They're also used in perfumery, um, and uh, violet is known to have a, quote, flirty scent uh, as its fragrance uh, comes and goes. And also violets or badges depicting violets uh, were sold uh, in Australia and New Zealand and related in New- Australia and New Zealand in commemoration of lost soldiers from World War I. And since the 1950s, they have been used uh, by uh, sapphic women, by lesbians to show their love for other. So as much as we may have talked earlier on a different episode about how lavender Uh, came to be associated uh, with uh, gay men, the violet has come to be associated with lesbian women.
6: In hoodoo,
2: uh, the violet, which is uh, very sweet-smelling, yet considered a humble little flower, whose leaves happen to be shaped exactly like the heart symbol. So because of this, violets are deemed to be a love herb. And again, that comes into what we've talked about before, the doctrine of signatures, because here's a leaf, it's shaped like a heart. It must have to do with matters of the heart. A few ways it might be and has been and can be used in hoodoo and conjure is to draw new love as one example. So to do this you would place a violet leaf, again shaped, shaped like a heart in your shoe and wear it for seven days in the belief that by doing this, you will find a new lover. And I would say to you from my own experience that that probably would best be done in one's left shoe because of course the left arm is the heart arm. The left leg is the heart leg. You can do this exact same thing, triple strength job. And to do this, you use three violet leaves and wear them for seven days each for a total of 21 days. So you're gonna wear one for you know one for seven days and another one for seven days and another one for seven days 21 days all told and it's believed that this will help attract love and romance. You can use violet to increase your lover's affection. To do this you would chew. On violet leaves and then spit into your handkerchief and then you rub this handkerchief on your lover your girlfriend your boyfriend etc once it dries so here we are back to spit in handkerchiefs seems like that was just at the beginning of the show except this is a much more positive thing so you're chewing on the violet leaf again shaped like a heart and then you spit into the handkerchief, let the handkerchief dry, and then rub that on your lover to increase their affection for you. Speaking of increasing, you can use the violet to increase your lover's passion. So when preparing to go visit, or you're going to be visited by your lover, you would take a bath in a tea, made of violet leaves and lavender flowers and burn love me incense mixed with violet leaves in the bedroom. And this would be particularly good, not exclusively, but particularly good for a lesbian woman or for a homosexual man, but even a heterosexual individual. Man or woman can do this simply by bathing in a tea of violet leaves and lavender flowers. So now we're using leaves and flowers. Don't mistake them up. You can also use it to keep a lover close. To do that, you would crumble up a dried violet leaves into commanding or controlling incense and then burn that mixture on charcoal. You would roll the ashes up into one of your lover's socks, and you roll it all up, and you keep the sock hidden under the side of the bed. This is between the mattress and the box spring, where your lover sleeps. So we all, most of us who are with somebody, no matter who we're with, we've got one side of the bed, and they've got the other side of the bed. Not me. I have the middle. I have the middle of the bed, and my wife has either side, so... That's, it still adds up to 50. It's fair in my mind. But you roll the ashes up into one of their socks and place the sock between the mattress and box spring. where on their side, the lover's side, for nine nights. Nine nights. And then you take it out and burn it in the bedroom. And obviously you're going to have to burn in something fire safe. But you burn it up in the fire in the bedroom. Fire safe pan, fire safe something, and this will keep that lover close. Love doesn't always work out. Sometimes love is a sad tale. And so when you need relief from love's sorrows, you will look for a particular violet. Heart's ease, or as we spoke about earlier, pansy, is a species of violet. And it is said to aid, or to assuage, or to stop the pain of love troubles. So what you do is you mix it with balm of gilead buds. So we mix together. We're going to mix together balm of gilead buds, heart's ease. Okay, and that is said to soften a lover's heart so that a reconciliation can happen. The blend can be brewed into a tea and used as a bath. Or blended together, they can be mixed with reconciliation incense and burned on charcoal. So a lot of you all talk about reconciliation. I have tons of reconciliation clients. People call me all the time about reconciliation. So think about this, please. Balm of Gilead buds and heart's ease. Either be made into a tea to be bathed with or mixed with reconciliation incense and burned on charcoal. If a relationship is done it's just it's, it's 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 over man it's over and you're still in a lot of emotional pain about it you would bathe in heartsease for nine days it's a tea you're going to make a tea out of heartsease, which is a type of violet you're going to make the tea you're going to put that in your bath and you're going to bathe in that for nine days after the breakup okay to help Get over the pain faster and the thing I wanted to mention here about heartsease is that although violet and heartsease, which is also called pansy are different plant species they are in the same genus as we talked about at the beginning and they are used identically in love spells so they are treated as one an equally close relative is Johnny Jumpup And it has a very different sort of use, though. And it is used in men's sexual spells pretty much exclusively. So uh, don't get all confused about it. Remember, there's a lot of different crossovers that we have going on here. We would uh, like to thank uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood for the use of segments of her fantastic and marvelous book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African American, conjure in our In the Kitchen segment, along with our own knowledge, each and every week. Thank you so very much. Well, folks, that's about it. We've talked about playing cards. We've talked about mm, violets, pansies, heartsies. We've talked about burning and boiling and lots. There's been a fair amount of spitting in, uh, spit and handkerchiefs tonight, hasn't there? Tonight is the, the, the spit and handkerchief
4: evening. As we say goodbye to the beautiful month of June, we want to give our thanks once again to spit and handkerchiefs. And that's it.
2: Next week, we'll be back here with a new Professor's Pontification, as well as a new In the Kitchen segment. And, of course, we'll be talking about court cards, face cards, and the mysterious Joker. So don't miss out on it, folks. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the people in the street to tune on in. And... As the caissons go rolling merrily along, believe it or not, we are already in the early beginning of preparations for the
5: 2018 11th Annual
2: Hoodoo Heritage Festival in beautiful Forestville, California. So get ready for it, folks. Think it out. Start planning now. There's only two more, 2018, 2019. And if you are a a worker, if you are involved as a worker in Hoodoo and and you might like to give a presentation, a workshop at, particularly a workshop, at the 2018 Hoodoo Heritage Festival 11th Annual why not send on in your submissions today? You can send them to profporterfield at gmail.com, and we will collect them all up and see what we've got going. Well, folks, it's been a fine time, and the sun's down, and the day's starting to cool, and I'm going to go get me a nice cold drink and relax. I guess this is pretty much it. I mean, this is the end.
3: Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. I leave Fort Worth, Texas, and go to Texas cattle and double back to Fort Worth. I'm on down to Dallas, Tink, Uncle Kitty. Ted, Tony, in Kansas City, and Kansas City, and St Louis, and St Louis, Chicago.